Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, the headlines in pop culture, and the meaning behind it all. I'm your host, Winston Burns, along with my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. It's going... Ah, nah, not even pretty good. It's going okay. I'll say I'll, I'll retract. Going okay? <laughs> you just... You just cut it down a few decibels. You're like, it's going pretty good. Nah, it's just okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's a, I'm not it's even a say lot it's great. going on in 2020. I have given up on 2020. <laughs> yeah. Man, it's, 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 been a, it's been a rough year, but um, it, for to the first part of this um, episode, we're going to um, just remember Chadwick Boseman's life uh, with his tragic passing this past Friday and then get into a few um, NBA playoff topics. And then in the second half, we're going to do a review of No Country for Old Men. Um, but to start off with Chad, Chadwick Boseman um, and his tragic passing this this past Friday, um, the Black Panther star died at 43 after a four-year battle with colon cancer. Um, that was a, a extremely private. Um, his brief Hollywood career included um, Floyd Little, Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and the Black Panther. Um, and there were just so much shock and grief for reactions to this and how he um, brought Black icons to life in ways that went beyond the screen and just entertainment was unique. Um, his marquee performance in 2018's Black Panther as T'Challa, um, a crucial turning point from the, for the MCU and comic book movies as a whole with both representation and pure Oscar worth um, quality. Um, but what will you remember Chadwick Boseman's legacy as with him, you know, accomplishing so much in a short time span and also um, his iconic role in Black Panther as, as that's kind of like the one he's remembered the most for? You know, it's, it's really crazy to have this many, well, not to portray this many black like uh pivotal characters in the community just Jackie mm-hmm. Robinson Thurgood Marshall man James Brown the baddest man and shit like you have to have yeah. a set of skills crazy list right you got to have a set of skills to, to portray all three of those and then with the whopper of having Black Panther which is not an easy task given him his circumstances what he was going through at the time that no really nobody really knew about um but to have those that resume with those four movies alone man that's incredible you gotta have a set of skills you gotta have a a a work ethic that's bar you know second and none to be able to portray all four of those iconic roles in the black community with excellence he didn't you know he didn't he didn't downplay he played it with excellence man he was he convinced me he was James Brown. He convinced me he was Jackie Robinson. He convinced me he was Thurgood Marshall. So, though having those roles on a resume, it speaks it speaks volumes. He, his resume is like it's stacked up, man. You add twenty one bridges, and it, mm-hmm. man. I, I mean, so, so many times, so many times when we do these, when we do movie reviews of actors, they're actors that are you know still alive, still with us, and it's rare for us to like um, be able to look back at an actor that 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 passed and, and recently passed and, and the. And what he was building, I feel like that's even why people are just so um, gripped about it and so hurt about it because it didn't really seem as though it was one of those things where he was he was just picking up momentum. He was still picking up momentum and there was still so much left for him to accomplish. And I feel like that's even the more tragic feeling and sentiment of it. Yeah, exactly, man. Because the sky's the limit. We got another Black Panther. He's probably had some other movies in the, in the, in the woodworks. I first... Heard about Chad probably 2008 when he made an appearance in Express. 
and he was uh, uh he was uh I forgot the dude's name. His last name was Little, football player. Actually went to Syracuse. He betrayed him in the um what's the other guy's name? Not Jim Brown. Jim Brown was in the movie. Um Shoot, well, who's but anyways, that's when I first met him, and I was like, Who is this guy? This weird looking dude portraying yeah. an awesome football player, and then he, <laughs> he just he just bursts on the scene and he takes over everything, man. And it's you just you just imagine yeah. what what's left in the tank that he had and what was in store, how many roles we didn't hear about. Because I was, I read, no, I looked at a video when he was with uh, he was getting interviewed at the barbershop, you know, with LeBron James, like you know, HBO thing, yeah, the shop, like, yeah. yeah he's like, man, I turned down a lot of roles because they wanted me to portray like these typical roles, like, nah, I don't want to do that, I don't, I want to do that, I just want to know what those words, those roles were, and then what the roles that he had in like, mm-hmm. the, like in the future, besides Black Panther 2. Like what else he had in store for us to 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 uh to watch. But man, four years of cancer and be able to pull off all these roles and do it with excellence, man. That's insane. That's work ethic. That's God given work ethic. Man, that's crazy, yeah. bro. I don't know if I could have did that. Yeah, now, I don't know. That's the thing. Him going through that while giving us excellence is 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 just stunning. And those movies weren't short and, and not only did yeah, those were long, yeah, really, really long films. And, you know, not only did he have um, two more mega blockbuster Avenger movies and a starring role in the um, 2019 crime thriller 21 Bridges, and this past June, he was in um, Defy Bloods, mm-hmm. uh, a key role in Spike Lee's uh, Vietnam vet epic. And right. him even being the most revered and tough human in a Spike Lee movie was just a huge accomplishment as well. Like, whenever you're in a Spike Lee film, it can have that type of role is just, is a huge honor. And um, his last completed role was um, opposite Viola Davis in the upcoming um, August Wilson ad- adaptation, uh, Moraney's uh, Black Bottom. And it'll obviously be a tough movie to watch right. now once it's released and he just showed he could portray anybody. But what were your thoughts on on even just the newer films and, and, and um, that he was in and the future ones? Because like in this, in this latest adaptation that, that is going to be released eventually, we we were still seeing just the full array of what he was doing because even though this is extremely tragic what happened in 43 years he really did accomplish um a a, a ton of work and, and a ton that was added on for his catalog of just the, the longevity that he had in store for him as an as an actor man as a as a full-time actor i i put his work could have been up there with people like Samuel L Jackson, Denzel Washington, Forrest yeah. Whitaker uh, Wesley Timeless. Snipes, man, those are like big time actors, just not black actors, actors. His catalog, mm-hmm. his resume was going to be up there with those guys because he was, he was good. The Five Bloods was really, really good. 21 Bridges was really, really good. I mean, his depiction of Black Panther, like all the new stuff. I'm, I'm interested to see how him, uh, him and Viola Davis kind of fits on the screen because we saw him fit perfectly. With um, Angela Bassett as as his mom at Black Panther, it was just like that. Yeah. I don't know that chemistry they had, but it was a crazy story she she shared when he passed that he was her guide at Howard University when she came. She was uh, uh what well, what year was I can't remember what year, but she was she was being honored um, being honored at the the graduation. She was getting a degree or whatever, and he was her her uh, guide. At Howard University, and then they started. Then they did wow. the movie, 
and that Black Panther, man, it was it's, a, it's so crazy. And to see him just normal, just a normal human being at Howard's campus, the pictures that are resurf- resurfacing, man. Yeah, his his catalog mm-hmm. was going to be up there with the greats, man. And I think it still is. Those four movies alone, man, will give him the, the key to be like, yeah, I mean, he's he was a living legend. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and, and now transitioning to to the, uh, the the Celtics and their current series with the Raptors. Um, they had an eighteen point win Sunday afternoon versus the Raptors. Um, in the first game of the Eastern uh, semis, and with Gordon Hayward's injury with uh, a right ankle sprain, many felt as though the Celtics would would take um a step back. But they've really shown that there's a possibility that they could emerge from the East and. Um, arrive back in the finals for the first time in a decade, even though um, this is still going to be like a really long series. And even the current game, game two that they're in right now is right. Um, is really tight um, in, the, in, in the fourth quarter. But their perimeter guys have had to take on bigger roles. And um, Kimba Walker and Marcus Smart specifically did that in game one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Walker feasted off of uh, Philly's pick and roll defense in the first round. And, and offensively, he was their best this past Sunday with 18 points and 10 assists in 32 minutes. Um, but what are your thoughts on what Boston's been able to do without Hayward and who's who specifically kind of like have you been impressed with um, as they go forward in this series? Well, I'm not surprised they do this good without Hayward. They did it, you know, two years before. I mean, the year he got there, he yeah, went two out. Years and then the, the year after that. So uh, Hayward is, I think he's one of those role players that you can you can do without eventually. But, you know, Marcus Smart, I'm always going to praise Marcus Smart because he doesn't get that, you know, those accolades. He doesn't get that praise enough. One of the best defenders in the game right now. I'll give him top 10. I will definitely give Marcus Smart top 10 because he's one of those scrappy guys that you need. He's like he's like Patrick Beverly in a more not wearing Air yeah. Force type of way. Um, <laughs> and it is really dope. Uh, uh, Kimba, of course, Kimba has impressed me. I was I wanted to see what what kind of role and what kind of the him being in a winning situation. Well, like I, I, him, him just finally because he, he this is his first time being in the second round and it, it the leadership aspects of it is something that Boston has definitely benefited from. And and that's a that's another thing I wanted to see. Uh, how what did the stage be too big for him? And, and it's it's panning to the mm-hmm. where he's 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 stepping up to the plate. They're uh they're beating them ninety five eighty nine with three forty six left, but it. I, that's what I wanted to see because we always see Kimba kill, have 40 points, nine assists. He has all the, the numbers right, and they still don't make it past the second round. What would he do if he had a team that gets to that point? Now we see what Kimba Walker was yeah. being drained <laughs> and, uh, in Charlotte. He <laughs> drained his ability to get drained. Um, the, the Black Panther will be, be stripped from you. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> <laughs> from you, but no, um, nah, yeah. Rozier is kind of, I think he's coming along, uh, in this, um, in the last series in this series. But I, I, I do think, uh, the Raptors were very sluggish, man, super sluggish. Yeah, Fleet, Pascal Siakam, they, I think they combined, yeah, especially. For but, when there's a team coming off of a sweep, it's either they're going to be like just really like rearing and ready to go for the next series, or they're just going to be sluggish off of just like a really short series and having a lot of time off. And that's what we really saw from Toronto in game one. Yeah, we didn't see the same Toronto team that put up 150 to close out game four, bro. Like we, we I, I didn't see that. Yeah. I didn't see that Van Fleet coming from just coming off the dribble and, and, and rising up. 
They were thinking it was below 25% in the first half. They were trailing 18 points in the first quarter. Like, that's... What are you guys doing? Maybe that contest can test to them <laughs> being 4-0 uh, and, and sweeping a team and having that break, but you don't take the Celtics lightly. That starting five is crazy. You cannot. You can't. Yeah. And I, I, and I always... Oh, good. I mean, specifically with Toronto, the, 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 the main thing for this postseason is like... Uh, it, with, with their sweep coming off, it, it, it was one of those things that, like, the notion of, okay, like, maybe they don't need Kawhi. But in a series like this, when you have so many perimeter guys to deal with, there are going to be times where they're going to struggle with giving up the threes, the drive and kick offense. There, there's going to be a lot of holes that Toronto, you know, not overall is going gonna, is gonna to deal with, but there's going to be instances where, as you said, the, the Celtics perimeter players are nothing that you can take lightly. Not at all. And, if you don't have a type of player like Hawaii, you're going to have to be perfect every game. And we saw that in the first series with, with the Brooklyn Nets. But this game, this game in particular, the first game, second game, they look like they're, they're playing a little better and they're, they're, they're having a close game, but they, they, they weren't the same team. And then if you make mistakes, like a Celtics team is going to make you pay for it because they have the guys, they have the perimeter guys to do so. If one of those other two, like, so I would say the Raptors have, what, two, three players that you could really depend on, Pascal Siakam, Lowry. Lowry had 17 points, but he still had an ankle sprain. Uh, Ibaka then, at times. Ibaka at times. If he's hot, he'll give you a three or two, and he'll play great defense. Uh, he'll space the floor a little bit as well. But it's I would say just those two, three, Lowry, uh, Cal, uh, Van Fleet, and Pascal Siakam. If those guys are cold, you're going to get a game like game one. It, I don't know the stats for game two right now, but it seems that they're playing a little better. But if they, those guys don't play perfect, then there's no way they can make it past the Celtics. No way. Yeah, definitely. And and, and, and with Boston, like, do you think it's one of those things where um, even if they're able to get past the series and we don't know who they're going to play like, with either Miami or Milwaukee, do you think it's going to be an, another one of those series where um, – in particular, like what Marcus Smart does and even Kimba's leadership, do you think it's just one of those things where everything just kind of has to come perfectly together um, for them to like even get to a final strip? Or is there something else that they need to continue to do that they're that they've currently currently been doing in this series? No, they, I think they've been playing great basketball. And I think I, I love the way they kind of like go back and forth with each other. If one, two of the guys like right now, Kimbo only has 12 points, believe it or not. It's the fourth quarter, and Kimbo Walker only has yeah. 12 points, and he's played he's played 35 minutes. Mark Smart has 19, and Jason Tatum has wow. 33. So that, that'll give you, like, they pick each other up. Sometimes you're not going to have a good game. It's a lot of stuff going on right now. Your mind is, is not all in for basketball, and you're going to have those games. And I love how the Celtics mm-hmm. pick each other up. We, we we talked about a million times who should go to the Celtics, who fits well with the Celtics. Kimba Walker is a perfect fit because they didn't need another guy. Kim, like I think I said this before, Kimba is not a guy that's going to lead a team. He's not a leader. He's a quiet guy. He's going to lead by example. Now, that's perfect for the Celtics because those younger guys don't <laughs> like to listen. And Marcus Smart is another guy I think yeah. had butted head with, uh, with Kyrie Irving when he was there for his little stint. So I think everything gels well. They play well together and they pick each other up, just like this, this game right here. They Marcus Smart isn't going to have any problems with Kimba. Kimba's no. style, like Marcus Smart, is not going to ruffle his feathers at all. 
Not at all. And I think I think Kimba's style of play is what you draft or get a Marcus Smart for, <laughs> so he can play defense. Because Kimba's not going <laughs> to play defense. Kimba's going to shoot first. He's the shooter. He's he's Michael Jordan for the team. That's what they want him to do. They want him to be the yeah. point guard, facilitate, and shoot. Marcus Smart is the dog guy, but he'll put up 19 like he did today. But, yeah, I don't think they should do anything else. I think that the, the bench is good. Get Hayward healthy. He comes off the bench, be the sixth man, be the, the perimeter shooter that they need, bring them over 45%. Even him off the bench would be really good. Even Hayward off the bench would, would be, like, a, a, a great fit for them as well. I think so, too. I don't think he deserves to be in the, the starting lineup. He's not the same Utah Jazz guy that we've seen for so many years before he broke. I mean, th- that injury is so hard to come back from mentally. Physically, yeah. Eventually, yeah. you can get back to the swing of things. But mentally, man, and then you the play, it plays you. Yeah, and it plays you. Oh, man, I used when I was with the Utah Jazz, I used to kill. He used to kill. And, and it, you know, those injuries kind of do that to you. It's the effect of playing basketball, I guess. Yeah, and um, and now transitioning to to uh to the Mavericks and 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 what happened with 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 Luca and the Clippers. Um, Luca had thirty eight points, nine rebounds, and nine assists in the Mavericks. Um, game six loss to the Clippers in the first round. Um, and, and just he, he really can can you know confirmed his status as just one of the the stars in the league. Um, had forty two points in game one, um, being the highest scoring playoff debut in NBA history. A forty-three point triple double with with a, a buzzer beater to win Game Four in overtime, and you know he's been running the the most efficient offense statistically this season, and just being a poised player, uh, getting to his spots, making tough baskets, and getting his teammates easy baskets. He's given Dallas the opportunity to be a, a future title contender, and the 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 other question now is preserving his health, with which was you know will also have a lot to do with with um what their future championship aspirations are as he missed the last three games of the mass, the math series against the Clippers because of a lateral um, meniscus here in his right knee. But, but what are your thoughts on the multiple great performances um, Luca put together against the Clippers and also thoughts on how, you know, important Porzingis continued development will be with the health uh, concerns. I will have to say this now. Luca might be the future for basketball. Gotta say it. <laughs> I, I I love Zion. I love Zion. <laughs> I love Zion. Zion will be up there. The future for basketball is is up there, man. Luca is a dog. Luca showed me by playing the Clippers. He had against, heart against this team. Yes, he had a heart. You're not going to just talk to him any kind of way. He's he's going to back it up when he says he has the slowest step back in America. But it it works. <laughs> it works. And he's precise. He plays a decent defense. He's a leader of that ball team. They respect him. They man. Whoo. I see what Micah was talking about all the all this time. I, I saw it. <laughs> of course. I saw it. But you have to get to that point of like giving him, like, okay, give him the head now. Like, okay, he's a baller. Cause he hasn't faced that adversity of a team. Like the Clippers talking to him, punching him, getting in his head. If Patrick Beverly was playing, I think, ooh, it might, he might oh, would have got it a That fist might have been Patrick different. Beverly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it really reminds me of that 85 uh, series with, with, um, I mean, not comparing him, not saying he's at the same level of Jordan, right. but that, that the Bulls Celtics series where Jordan has 63 against Boston in game two. 
And like Larry Bird was like, this this guy has next. I mean, he's he's next up. Even this, even though the Celtics, you know, sweep them in that series, it was one where the Bulls push the defending champs. And you saw something that like this is this guy's gonna have a a, a really like long successful career. And I feel like that's kind of what we saw with Luke against the Clippers. Now I will say this. I will say this. We we saw the greatness that he has. But his durability is going to be in question now because of that knee sprain. And, and the oh, issue yeah, your sure. question with Porzingis, I gave up on him long, 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 long time ago. He, I think he's going to be a bust. It's, I really think he's going mm-hmm. to be a bust. Those knee injuries is going to plague him. That's what he did. He was he, how many how many years did he at least play in New York <laughs> before getting actually be traded? Oh, it's their fault you kept getting injured? Okay. Then you get injured again. You're you're a game decision. And then it's over and over. Over and over. I don't I don't have faith. I don't have faith in Porzingis at all. Now if he was healthy, it'd be a different, it'll be a different story, but it's that's not the case. But for Luca, Luca has every all the ingredients to to be a great, to be in the great talk, well, not a great talk, but to be a great basketball player. But the injuries, we'll have to play. We'll have to play that close. Pay close attention to that for sure. Moving forward, yeah. now that he's he's not he's human because he hasn't had an injury before. Now he's human. Now we we know he can get hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and for the Clippers, you know, Kawhi has had a postseason run so far that's even better than than, than to start off than what he did in San Antonio and Toronto. He's writing um, a career best streak of a five straight thirty um, point postseason games in, into the. Um, Western Conference semifinals, and he also had 33 points and 14 rebounds in game six, scoring eight straight in, in the fourth quarter after um, Doncic uh, brought the game back within single digits. And um, with, with with who they'll play next in the semi, semis, you know, it's going to feature another uh, potent uh, score as we're seeing with Jamal Murray and what he's been able to do having, you know, two 50-point games and then Donovan Mitchell. Um, and, and that series, you know, it, it's, it's going to be uh, later tonight with, you know, Utah and, and and Denver just neck and neck with, you know, Utah had a real control of that series, 3-1, and then what Jamal Murray's been able to do, just bring them back for um, a a do-or-die game. But overall, like, is Kawhi's postseason excellent something, you know, we just all expect now and are accustomed to? And also, um, what are your thoughts on just their next potential series with either Utah or Denver, and, and, and which one, like, do you think may possibly be a better matchup? Um, okay. Uh, with Kawhi, I, for a minute there, I thought they were going to lose that series to be completely mm. honest with you. I fell for it. Cause Luca was playing great basketball. Paul yeah, George was non-existent until Paul George came out and, and had a, a phenomenal game. That kind of was a turning point because now we were thinking like, okay, cool. Kawhi, you might have chose wrong. Kawhi, like everything went back with <laughs> Kawhi, and then it went back with PG. But I think we're we're definitely accustomed to seeing Kawhi do be con- super consistent, one of the most consistent players in the NBA. We we see that day in and day out. We see what he did with the Toronto Raptors. We see what he did with the the Spurs. What is his his tenure there? But yeah, it's it's. I mean, we expect that from the call. We ex- we expect that from him now. Moving forward, I I like a Clippers versus a Denver. Uh, that would be interesting. That'd be real interesting. Just to what see what they do with Jamal Murray. I think Jamal Moore, Murray uh, 
closes out. I close. I kind of want to see that series more than I want to see Clippers Utah because I feel like Clippers Utah would be like a, a decisive win for for the Clippers. I think I think if they play Utah, they'll just double team uh, Spider, and yeah. there's no other shooter, no no other scorer on that basketball team that I, I that I'm confident in besides uh, Donovan Mitchell. Now for Jamal Murray, maybe Joe Ingles. Mm, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but you look at Jokic though. Like that's why I lean more towards Denver because I didn't know mm. that he was the 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 offense runner. I watched a couple games of of this of this series, and I was like, "Oh, they run the offense through him. Like he calls the plays." Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that. I thought it was Jamal Murray who runs the plays. No, and it, it is so funny seeing Jokic get mad at people. It's like, Yo, <laughs> hey, that's not what I read. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> I remember uh, Jamal Murray he, the last game when he went off right. He he was like dribbling yeah. and Jokic like put his hands on him the eye and he like he he like he shook him off and he, he pulled up and his face was like, what am I a joke to you? <laughs> like, what, am I a joke to you? Like, what are you, you taking me like, seriously? <laughs> like, I said give me the ball, but now like I think I think I, I would like to see a Denver and Clippers scene. I want to see what they do with the Jamal Murray because. The Utah Jazz did yeah. nothing. They left them one on one. They let them get a mixed match. They double team at the end of the game. What? It's it's too late now. He's I, just, I just feel like I already know what I'm going to see with Utah with Denver. I, I feel like it would be more intriguing just to see what like like what the strategy will be. The strategy for a, a Clippers um, Denver series would just be way more intriguing than a Jazz series. I think so too. But you you would think Utah Jazz would use Gobert a little more, like. Even that tough shot Jamal Murray had in the in the corner, uh, corner, uh, what was it? The corner of the side, whatever you want to call it. Because uh, I'm not really a basketball yeah, fanatic. Three. Yeah, yeah. The corner three or was a corner jump shot, either or. That was great defense by Rudy Gobert. That was a tough shot. He's hot. Jamal Murray is hot. And it was a tough shot. I would double team him a lot more than what they were doing the last game. Is no way if I have a, a versatile, uh, agile big man like Rudy Gobert, who was up for Defensive Player of the Year at one point, who is extremely proud of his defense, not double team. Come on, man. 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 Like, I, I don't understand it, but yeah. But yeah, I'd rather see a Denver Clippers scene because I really want to know what they put uh, Kawhi Leonard on him, or would they put PG on him? Who would they would they put Patrick Beverly on him if he's if, if he's uh, I think they'd start George George on Murray, and if Murray's staying at this pace, then they'll just go from Kawhi to to, to Beverly because nobody's gonna hold Jokic, nobody's gonna hold him. No, yeah, nah, I think that's that's a mismatch, not at the top of the key, anyways. Yeah, the, 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 that one is 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 is, is already set, um, and and now transitioning to um, Miami and, and Milwaukee, they were able, Miami was able to win uh, Game One um, last night. Uh, Jimmy Butler had forty points, um, fourteen in the fourth, and, and Goran Dragic um, also had twenty seven. And you know, even in the regular season, Miami was able to beat them, you know, both times. And they have the type of length, athleticism, and experience that is, you know, able to to test um, a, a really talented Milwaukee team. And the Bucks' issue all year has been defending the three, and no team in the league. Um, gave up more threes, fourteen point zero, and allowed more attempts, uh, thirty nine point three. Um, but, but what are you, just like your thoughts on this start of this series? Like, like what maybe more concerns for Milwaukee, and 
Um, if this is one of those, you know, series where like Jimmy Butler and Miami can continue to do this, or do you feel as though Milwaukee will make the necessary adjustments to, to get back and control the series? I fault Giannis. I'm not going to pronounce his, I try to pronounce his name because it's now it's three different variations. <laughs> it's three different, outside the Kupo. I thought that was it. Now is a different variation of his name. So I don't, I'm just going to say Giannis. Yeah. I know how to pronounce Giannis. Yeah. So I fault Giannis for how Jimmy Butler went off like that. Why do you have George Hill on him? Why? Why? George Hill on Jimmy Bucket? <laughs> well, why? You're the... Mike Boonhoser, is this, the, is this really the strategy in the semifinals? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You have a defensive player of the year not guarding their best overall player. And he's getting buckets. Oh, God. Consistently. I fall Giannis. I fault Giannis. If I'm the leader of that basketball team, hey, nah, get off. Go, George, let's switch up. Let's go 3-2 or let's go 1-3-1 or something. Let's something. Let's switch it up. Not one-on-one and George, he'll get cooked like some sautéed onions. Like, no, we're not going to do this here. <laughs> I fault Giannis. I, mean, I it, 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 it's... Yeah, it, it, it really is one of those things where that defensive strategy was, was, was the, the, you know, the most puzzling overall because, you know, Giannis is the defensive player of the year. He has this ability and just not throwing that option at Butler is, is something that was, you know, extremely perplexing. And going forward, like the, the, their defensive strategy is going to be huge because like Miami has shooters everywhere. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, they're going to heat up and Butler, he's going to do what he does. And, and that's going to be just a, a really pivotal point for them is, is their defensive strategies. For sure. And I, I, I get, excuse me, I get you saying you want to do, you do what the coaches want you to do. Cause I think the reporter asked them, um, did you not want to switch over? He was like, no, uh, no, I did. Why would I ask that? I'll do whatever coach wants me to do. No, 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 no. You're the defensive player <laughs> of the year. You're the leader of this basketball team. They look through you. If if that was yeah. LeBron James, let's 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 call it a space. If that was LeBron James and LeBron yeah. did not switch over and take care, let's go to football. If that's not Jalen Ramsey on Julio Jones or DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. it will look, what are you doing? You're gonna do what coach says. I understand that, but it's at the end of the day, you're the leader of this basketball team. Hey, coach. We need to switch. I no offense, George. You getting cooked. You getting cooked like a holiday ham, and it's December first, not even <laughs> December twenty fifth or twenty fourth. <laughs> get out of here! It's not even Christmas Eve yet. <laughs> it's not even Christmas Eve. You getting cooked like a holiday ham? Come on, get out of here! Like at at some time, at some point in your career, do you think Kobe Bryant would have let that happen? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So Giannis, I fault you for not switching over and taking care. I don't care if you was getting buckets on you. You are a better defender than George Hill. And to watch him get cooked like that, your your fellow teammate, that's 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 not good, bro. <laughs> that's not good, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and and the last series that um that that's still left, OKC Houston, Chris Paul, he's able to uh extend that series to seven, has 28. Um, 15 in the fourth and you know 
that series has really been back and forth because, you know, Westbrook comes back in game five. They're able, able to have like a, a really um, convincing win. And just what Chris Paul has been able to do overall, it, it's just the, the his leadership and the, just him keeping them alive in the series has been so impressive. Um, kind of like what are your quick thoughts on that going to seven and just what Chris Paul has been able to do as, as that series has, as you know, Houston was up 2-0 and now it's really turned into um, just a really back and forth um, competitive um, series. CP3. Wellington, you have been big on CP3 since he left the Clippers. And I did not think what they've done so far, excuse me, would be be possible with CP3 as a leader of that basketball team. Yo, dude's playing playing phenomenal basketball. That's That's what a leader does. That's what a leader does. Put up 28. Make sure your younger players are on the right spots on front court and back court. Oh, communication. Mm-hmm. That's the best communication team I ever communication saw. Communication is so good. It's so good. Especially with James Harden. Like this, this, this is this is a thing, though. This is a thing, though. This is against the Houston Rockets. Of all teams. Of all teams. <laughs> with not only James Harden, but Russell Westbrook. Not only that, with a good three-point shooting Eric Garner. Not only that, with a good corner three guy with, with P.J. Tucker. Like This theory should be over. This theory should already be over. Nice. <laughs> and it's, so, it's, it's a testament to how good CP3 is as a leader. That's the difference between a guy who wants to lead and who was born to lead. Oh, man. That's a word for you there, brother. But yeah, man, I, I, want, I, I, want, the, I want OKC to win it out. And then we can we can dock James Harden and Russell Westbrook's legacy, for sure, for sure. That's one of the things. There's so much on the line for Houston in this game seven. I, I don't I mean they. I definitely feel as though they didn't expect to be in a game seven this early. But the Russ and Harden era, not at all. I mean, short era. Mike D'Antoni's future. All, all these things are in question this early for Houston. I feel like. The, the, all the pressure's on Houston. There's no, like, Chris Paul and, and, and OKC's playing with house, house money. Like, there's no pressure at all on, on them in this one. Not at all. And we see we see James Harden. The the fact that James Harden on the, has on NBA and on basketball, the legacy of basketball, is, is incredible. But him going deep into the playoffs consistently is, is something that's, Gonna dock him when it comes to him being a, a considered a leg, a, a, like a, a legend. To be honest with you, one of the the basketball yeah, greats. I like think that's that's always gonna knock him there. But man, CB three, whoa, that's yeah, really test. Like, Goodness. and to put up twenty eight points, average like I think he's averaging twenty four, twenty five points. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and what he's like 30, 38, 30. Well, how old is CB three? <laughs> he's. Up I think there. he's. 35? He got he can't be. That's basketball years. That's old. Yeah. He's 35. And, and the, the fact that he's still doing this at this age, because that's one of the, the, the biggest developments in this postseason is just what CP3 has been able to do. And everybody has just been admiring admiring it so much. Because with OKC, the, the team that was thought to be rebuilding, especially after what went with George leaving and, and Westbrook le- leaving, and mm-hmm. they possibly could go further than even Westbrook does, is, is just a, a crazy, staggering um, development. 
crazy. And let me shout out CP3 once again. I love his shoes. He's been wearing nothing but HBCU shoes, Fire. giving him super props. And then I think the last shoe he wore was something about um, injustice. So yeah, man, way to way to kill, yeah. way to be a leader on the court and outside of the court, man. Crazy. Highlight, yeah, amazing things, yeah, definitely. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our No Country for Old Man review. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our No Country for Old Men review. And to start off with the overview, No Country for Old Men is a 2007 neo-Western crime thriller film written and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen, based on Cormac McCarthy's 2005 novel of the same name, starring Tommy Lee Jones, Javier Bardem, and Josh Brolin, follows a Texas welder and Vietnam War veteran in the desert landscape of 1980 West Texas, and it revisits fate, conscience, and circumstance at the Cohen brothers, um, Explored in previous films, Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, and Fargo. Had a budget of $25 million and brought in $171.6 million in the box office. And had a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I won 76 awards from 109 nominations across multiple organizations. It won four awards at the 80th Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Supporting Actor, um, Javier Bardem. And Best Adapted Screenplay in two Golden Globes. Um, and, and the lead performances were powerful. And this was, you know... A very grim and dark film, um, Anton Chigurh, played by Javier Bardem, was, was such a thrilling and captivating villain. Um, the, the mysterious personality he possesses in him catapulting himself for um, the entirety of the film as one of the best antagonists in cinema history. And um, his skill was top level as he had so much ruthlessness. But what were your initial thoughts on this, you know, uh, um, on this film as it was, you know, a very grim and dark thriller and also um, Javier Bardem giving the performance of a lifetime uh, in Anton Chigurh? You know, this is the first time, um, and well, maybe, well, I'll just say this. This is the first time I ever, like, saw a film use the landscape to tell the story. Most of it, like, the majority of the movie, if, yeah. I don't know if I'm just thinking outside the box or whatever, but I love how they use the desert and just, like, how the thing just move out in the desert. How, like, <laughs> I don't know, man, the different scenes, the landscape, I thought it really enhanced the, the, the story. The landscape line. was pivotal. It was yes, a pivotal element. For sure. Especially like just the, the high element, finding that money in the desert, like, oh, nobody's out here. Nobody's going to see what I got. So it's just like how they use the landscape, how they use yeah. the, the, the scenery to, to paint the picture even more and to enhance the storyline, I really thought was really, really dope. And then they have one of my favorite actors of all time, Tommy Lee Jones, man. He's a freaking legend. He's oh, a yes. freaking legend, man. Yeah. Definitely. And, and I mean, like, like that's another actor with, 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 with what Tommy Lee Jones has done in his career and some of the, the films he's been in. Obviously, The Fugitive um, is, is one of his, you know, um, most popular films. Um, like, what are your thoughts on even his overall career? Because even late in his career, he has a film like this where um, I, I feel as though Javier Bardem gives the best performance, but he's right up there as one of the most important characters in this film as he's not... You know, we never see him with Anton, um, but we still see the fact that he's contemplating his life. He's con contemplating, you know, the elements of vanity and all of these things. And he really does give um, a, a great performance as late in his career. Man, I think this film was like, I think it was one of his best films, but it's like other, like Double Jeopardy was really, really good. Um, oh, yes. Men in Black, of course, was really, really good. 
Um, he played in uh, uh which which Batman was it? Uh, uh Batman for Batman Forever. Batman Forever. He was Two Face. Yeah, with Gal Kilmer. Yeah, crazy yeah. man. Yeah, man. He's just he's a love of legend. But to be in this type of film, and then I mean, he always portrays like the lawman. You know, like that's one of the roles that he yeah. played with, like with ease. It comes, it's like natural, like first nature for him, not even second nature, first nature. But to see him in his film and to portray, get that old, he has like one of those older faces. I don't know, like looks like a lawman, just like looks like an FBI agent. Just he just yeah. has that look. Um, but nah, man, I think he really mm-hmm. his, his his screenplay on this was really, really good. Um, but nah, this is I think definitely one of his top five movies. But I mean, to be in this film, to be with Josh Brolin, and shots out, shout out to Javier, man. Like, yo, hit yes. this movie in um this was- villain role. Heath Ledger was offered this role. Um, and, no. and it, it's so crazy that, that he didn't take it. Yes, he was offered this role. Ew. He didn't take it. But I mean, Javier Bardem, he gave up a, a villain performance. Uh, you know, when you think of villains like Hannibal Lecter, yes. um, Joker, um, even Kevin Spacey in, in, in Seven. I mean, this is right up there with one of the best villain performances we've ever seen because he doesn't say a lot, but his presence and, and just yes. you know, the, the feel that the aura that he gives is is something that is memorable with with some of the greatest villains. Yes, it's, it reminds me of. The character, well, it reminds me of John Wick a little bit, how John really doesn't say much, and he has those, like, one-liners and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then most of the time, it's, it's his props, his gimmicks, his his taekwondo, whatever, his martial, art, martial arts, his gun ability. With him, with uh, Anton, it's more of the flip coin, mysterious nature, the, the crow yeah. face, um, the scenery, the landscape. He uses his landscape really, really well. He's smart. Like he's you wouldn't think because this guy's dressing all black and he just looks really really creepy with this terrible haircut. <laughs> um, Somebody but, said on YouTube the most intimidating villain with the least intimidating haircut. Right, his haircut was so terrible, but it it, it gave him that <laughs> that like crazy mysterious look, like he's super weird. But underneath that, underneath the weirdness and the black dark clothes, he's really smart. He knows people. He knows how to hunt people down. And at the end, you see him finally catch up with Josh Brolin. I mean, man, what a freaking character. What a movie. What acting. Goodness. Yeah, these three guys, they they did a phenomenal job. Obviously, they won so many awards and nominations and stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and transitioning from um from one to four stars, what would you give it? Um, I would definitely give it four as it not only being a thriller in chase, but really being a character study. Um, examining, you know, how multiple people meet and deal with a man, um, you know, uh, so cruel and unfeeling that they can't even comprehend him. Um, but to you overall from one to four stars, what would you give it? Definitely four stars. Definitely four stars. Just yeah. because I, I know, I think every element of a movie, because most movies don't really use the landscape in like the elements. Um, oh, excuse me, some <laughs> my eyelash got in my eye. Um, they don't use those those elements to their advantage to really paint a story to really help the storyline. I think the 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 this movie actually did that, and then the actors kind of was cohesive with that, and then the storyline was really really good. It really had you engage because it 
It's simply, it's simply put and it's simply like shot. It's not like crazy shots. Like it's not as much action. Even like the shooting scenes were just like normal. But it was like you know, it just gave that element. Yeah, just normal like, scenes. It's like a, it's like it's like a a, a two point of a western. But it, you know, it, I don't know if you get those type of vibes. Like it was just like you know, simple. Yeah, definitely. And it just the the the. Uh, it, it was very simplistic. It was yeah. very simplistic. Not not something that was just overbearing. Even with the um the dialogue, man, it was like super simple. Um, but it it was it was good though. It didn't do too much. But everything just. They had a great script. They had a great uh, where they shot at the great scenery. They had good actors to hold everything together. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say everything was just like cohesive. They used everything the right way, and it was simple. But it it made it did numbers. It did numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, even the simplistic films um, like this one can can really pull off something great. And transitioning to to favorite character on. Um, for me, it was, it was Anton as this was the type of portrayal that, you know, fit what what a living embodiment of, of pure evil was with with Joker and Dark Knight. There's a lot of dialogue, but Anton um, doesn't even give us that many lines and just translates uh, a complete lack of humanity. And just to, to me, almost really got to the point where he's the, the pinnacle of what a villain um, is. Um, but to you overall, who is your favorite character? I have to give it to Ed, Ed Tom Bell. Just a, just a, just he's just yeah. a normal guy. He was a sheriff. I think he was like a sheriff since he was like twenty five. He was so proud of that, but he was like straightforward. Like he didn't have that facial expression that was like, "Yo, like I'm really proud of myself." But I, to be sheriff for twenty five, and he just cared about, just cared about his his city, his county, man. Um, he was a war, hardworking guy. I don't know. I just, I just thought he was like a blue collar guy, and uh, that really kind of stuck out to me. And then yeah. he stole my favorite, my really my favorite character but it's okay so i gotta pick somebody else <laughs> oh man my bad <laughs> i had to pick somebody else i just took it off the board with the number one pick wellington takes <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good <laughs> um but but now transitioning to the most memorable uh, uh scenes of the movie um at first the, the desert chase at dawn where llewellyn mm. is chased by a truck out in the desert and then the killer um, dog in the river, um, call it friend where, um, to me, I might, I might have to give this one the most memorable scene, uh, because Shigur, you know, where Shigur forces a gas station attendant to call heads or, or, or tails, um, on, on a coin toss and the dialogue there w- w- was just, you know, really, um, uh, phenomenal and, and really played out well, um, waiting in a dark hotel room where, um, Llewellyn, Llewellyn waits with a shotgun in his ho- hotel room for his pursuer to enter, um, the street shootout where Llewellyn nearly, um, avoids being shot by Shigur when he jumps into a pickup truck on the street. Um, the pharmacy explosion where Shigur sets up a car explosion outside a pharmacy in order to rob the store. Um, the nature of Anton Shigur where Shigur sh- shoots Carson played by Woody Harrelson dead after discussing the nature of existence. Um, another one, you can't stop what's coming um, where uncle Lewis gives an allegor- allegorical tale of violence in America to his nephew. I'm sure fed um, Shigur's car accident where Sugar is blindsided by a car that runs a red light. And then finally, um, the ending dreams of my fa- father where Ed um, recounts a past night's dream involving his father um, to his wife, Loretta. Um, but overall to you, what was your most memorable scene? Ooh, uh, man. I think the most memorable scene where um, he was, what the, the last of the shooting scene in the dark or whatever, um, in the road, he hopped in the truck. He was like, yeah, just take me in. <laughs> 
Like he was so oh, he was goodness. he was just driving with the other guy, just getting just shot up. And um, I don't know, this Anton's so smart and he just lose the, the shotgun because he was like, Hold up, he got out the truck. He got out the Oh, he's behind me. Then he get he just jumps out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was a really dope scene, just how like he tracked him down. He like he was he was like, all right, mm-hmm. I'm smart. Let me let me examine the scene. Okay. All right, he's somewhere. He's somewhere. Oh, he's behind me. Like he's just like just a testament to the, the full character that he really is. Like he's just like he's just a weird guy, smart, but he's gonna get his guy. And then he mm-hmm. flips coins. That's like the one of the best thing he does. That's his he flips coins. I like that. <laughs> and interesting to, I mean, that that's one of the main things because, like, every you know, one guy, one of the guys was like, you know, um, like, what's the purpose of it? You know, what does fate have to do with it? And it's just, it's just, it's the, it's the circulating thing that he kind of like goes back to, even at the end of the film with um, Llewellyn's wife, um, about because she said, my fate's already decided. You know, she, she already feels like she knows what's what's going to happen. And that was kind of like one of the trademark things that, that he constantly did. Um, but transitioning to, to most memorable quotes, um, Sheriff Bell, um, I always figured when I got older, God would sort of come into my life somehow. And he didn't. I don't blame him. If I was him, I would have the same opinion of me that, that he does. Um, Anton, you should admit your situation. There would be more dignity, dignity in it. Um, another one from Anton, this is the best deal you're going to get. I won't tell you that you can save yourself because you can't. Um, Ellis, all the time you spend trying to get back what's been what's been took from you, more is going out the back door. Um, another one from Ellis, you can't stop what's coming. It's all waiting. On, it's not all waiting on you. That's vanity. Um, Llewellyn, well, I got a good feeling, so that should even out. And then um, finally, another one from Anton, if, if the rule you followed brought you to this, of what use was the rule? Um, to, to you, kind of like overall, what was your most memorable quote? Ooh, oh, man. Um... Shoot, I think the entire scene when he was at the gas station, he was telling the dude just to, you might want to call it, just call yes. it in the air. That scene there. <laughs> might want to do it. <laughs> yeah, you might want to. It was like, uh, I was just passing the time. You don't want to accept that. I don't want else to do it for you. Well, there's something else. He said, I don't know. Will there? It's something wrong with what? With anything. <laughs> like, it was so funny. <laughs> it was like... Is there something wrong with what? With anything? Is that what you're asking me? Is there something wrong with anything? He was like, would there be anything else? Like the the gas that you do was like so like like dude like, please go, just go, just freaking He's go. Like, What's going on? That miss. And then he asked, what time yeah, did we close? And, and, and. Now, now, now. Yes. He was like, now we close. Now he was like, now, now is this not a time? What time do you close? <laughs> He's like, now is not a time. What time do you close? Oh man! Talk about a rough day at the job. Talk right. about a rough day at the job. That guy didn't wake up for that. <laughs> Thank God he called the right one. <laughs> yeah. Um, transitioning now to a favorite part about the storyline. Um, to me, the flawless construction of the scenes interwoven in this that just kind of created an emotional drawing for the next scene. Um, was done very well and um. Also, just how ordinary human feelings are in the face of of, of a placeable um, justice. Um, to you, looking back at this, um, what part of the storyline did you kind of like like the most? The character development of Anton, just Anton. Period. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Without that character, I don't think this movie would work. 
you have to have that guy who can bring this character to life. And I think it was portrayed so he he was funny without being funny. He was like weird with, by being weird. He was smart. He like is he had the full blown character development, and then he actually killed the guy he was looking for. So it was just like, yo, this dude is phenomenal. Like, <laughs> like let's put him in Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, compared to other villains, how high would you rank him in, 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 in just some of the best villains that you've ever seen? Like, or is it one of those things where you know he's a really good villain, but there's just there's really a long list that, that's kind of like hard to, to, to rank to like where to put him in. I think they combine him with different different villains, like the flip coin, flip coin toss, whatever. Is just like two faced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The weird, just like like nature of the guy, just like the Joker to me without the laugh. It's just like I think they combine different elements of the villainism. That's not a word, but I'm making a word. Villainism <laughs> to create word of the day, <laughs> right? To create this character that's really dope. He has to be like up there. I don't know specifically what spot I would put him in, but just his overall. And then he yeah. got the job done. Most villains don't do that. That's yeah. So yeah, man, definitely. He, he's definitely up there. He's kind of like, I don't know. He's just like this. I don't know, man. It was, it was a good, it was a good film. Like the fact that he actually got what he needed to get done is which, the thing that most villains just rarely are able to pull off. Which is crazy. Even I, I will go, well, Joker does, in his own way, he gets his, like, stuff done. Two-Face never gets yeah. his stuff done. Like, it's just, like, other, like, outside of, Mar- like, like DC or Marvel characters or villains. But, yeah, this one up there is definitely, yeah. What a performance. Yeah. It, it, it was absolutely phenomenal. And transitioning to the last topic, um, 10 years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and, and intriguing? Um, absolutely, as this was... Definitely a bleak film, and and, and um, um, just the performances. It, it, even though it was a bleak film, the performances, cinematography, and, and realism just capped off with the villain of, of Anton Chigurh being, you know, one of the best ever. Made this just combine a, a very thought provoking movie. Um, but to you, ten years from now, uh, what do you think will still make this watchable and intriguing? Who, if they see these small clips of <laughs> of Anton talking to the gas station guy? Oh yeah, that'll uh, sell you. <laughs> yeah, like there's so many like those split scenes that you see on Facebook every now and again, and like YouTube and stuff. I think that's more watchable. I mean, it's already been what ten years, so it it comes on TV all the time, <laughs> HBO, FX, or whatever, and I still watch it to this day. But it does slow. It starts a little bit slow, and it does have those slow spots within the movie. But it makes up for like you know getting to those getting to those points. But yeah, for sure the characters. Um, if you love like nature and you love like the desert and Arizona and Nevada and all yeah. that stuff, just like thinking about the old westerns because it reminds me of a western to me, but more modern. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it like reminds me of, of, of kind of a perfect Maybe. old western. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that wraps it up for today. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, on my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been a full scope. See you later. Peace.